Support for Talking Art on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Dino Hayes, who is the creative director and owner of the Center for Living Arts in Rock Island, and also with Jeff Cousins, professor of theater arts and chairman of the department at Augustana College. Welcome, Dino and Jeff. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be talking with both of you today about your collaboration on the Penguin Project and your play, Beauty and the Beast Jr., that is currently being performed at the Bruner Theater on the Augustana College campus. Tell us what the Penguin Project is exactly. The Penguin Project started in Peoria, Illinois, by a retired pediatrician by the name of Dr. Andy Morgan. And he also happened to be a a big um, participant in community theater in Peoria. And he um, decided to design a systematic program that could put um, young people with disabilities on stage um, not just in the background, as they sometimes are, but in title roles. Um, so he developed this program about 15 years ago, and um, and then uh, it's now replicated across the nation where we in the Quad Cities are one of 22 replication sites nationally. That is great. And Jeff, I understand you went down to Peoria and actually met – the physician who started the program right. at a conference. I did. I, I went to a theater conference, uh, annual theater conference that was held in Peoria that year. And this was just a couple of years back. And um, I saw him demonstrate the Penguin Project live with some of his young artists with disabilities and their peer mentors who work with them on stage in rehearsals and performances. And I was so moved and impressed by the work that he was doing. Uh, that I approached him afterwards, and um, I asked him about it, and he said he was looking for people to um, open new sites uh, across the nation. He was very familiar with the Quad Cities area and said that he had um, really had a strong interest in us trying to uh, import the Penguin Project there. And what sort of developmental disabilities do these children have, and what age uh, range do you work with? Uh the general age range is about uh, 10 on the younger end, and we go up to uh, 22, 23, 24. Uh, we like to be a little bit fuzzy on those age ranges as long as they uh, uh, have the general maturity level to to handle that kind of rehearsal process. We usually accept them. And the types of uh, special needs that we deal with, it's it's different every year. The, this year we have uh, students with Down syndrome. Uh, we have uh, some people with just uh, delayed intellectual disabilities. Some people have cerebral palsy. Uh, and we have uh, people all throughout the autism spectrum. And there's a, there's a real lovely and intentional reason behind the name The Penguin Project. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, the Penguin Project is so-called because penguins are technically disabled birds. They're flightless birds. They have wings, but they don't physically fly, and they often thrive in hostile environments. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect description of 
um, the kinds of kids that we're working with in the Penguin Project. Right. It really is. It's it's perfect. So they can't they can't fly, but they can swim very well, and they can do other things. And, and their well, spirits so. soar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what the uh, that's what the bracelets say on their penguin soar. I, I I sit with that with that thought quite a bit, and just contemplate the whole idea of the penguins. And uh, you know, there've been so many uh, shows and movies about penguins, and one of the things that that hits me so hard that just hit me a, a few days ago when I was thinking about it was that even though they're flightless birds, when you watch footage of them underwater in their environment, they're beautiful yeah. and it, mm-hmm. it's poetic and it's a dance. And so to me, the Penguin Project just creates the environment mm-hmm. that they need, that they mm-hmm. can soar in. Yeah. These artists are, are paired with a peer mentor, and Dino, you've been very engaged with that, and I think you went through a training, somewhat training program, also about the mentorship when aspect a, uh, of this. When a replication site opens up, Dr. Morgan is very hands-on, uh, making sure that the people that are replicating his work uh, replicate the work in the way that uh, he intended it for it to happen. So he has a uh, a day long camp called Mentor Boot Camp. And uh, he trains us on how to run that. And then we get to watch him uh, throughout the first year develop the program on working with the mentors. And uh, the first year that we did this, the, the mentors mostly came from the Center for Living Arts. They were students of ours down in Rock Island. And uh, this year, I would say probably about 85% of those students are from the Center for Living Arts. But there's been a lot more uh, interest from the community since uh, the program started last year. Well, it seems like such a great opportunity, and, and you intentionally match to some degree the mentor with this with the student actor. Yeah, uh, that's uh, my wife Tina Hayes is the one who really handles that. I'm I'm her assistant when it comes to to the matching, but we try to match as as close as we can, age level. Uh, slash uh, maturity uh, and ability level because a lot of times the uh, mentor is the uh, artist's understudy. So you are currently performing Beauty and the Beast Jr. and you just completed your inaugural weekend. Um, The play will also run this coming weekend, Friday, March 2nd through Sunday, March 4th. Um, Now the junior designation indicates that it's a special modified version specifically for youth performers. Mm Yeah, Music Theater International takes these uh, big-name shows, uh, especially Disney shows, and they like to uh, revamp them, rewrite them. They shorten them down, so the show lasts anywhere from an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, and they'll they'll go in and they switch the uh, keys that the songs are in so they're more appropriate for younger voices. And uh, Music Theater International has been doing this for years in order to uh, introduce the arts to... Uh, to kids at a younger age. We've got to keep the arts going. So you get them involved and give them the ability to do a show that's tailorly made, tailor-made for them to produce. Uh, it's just wonderful. And that works beautifully with the Penguin Project. Right. I think the collaborative effort between the two of you is interesting. Let's talk a little bit about how that came about. How did Augustana connect with the Center for Living Arts? Well, after I returned from my conference uh, downstate, um, I started thinking about who I could take on as a community partner in this venture. And um, Dino and I had known each other for quite some time, um, but had never really worked together. We were acquaintances. We'd we'd see each other often. um, And we'd talked about 
getting together and, and doing some kind of a project together at some point in our careers. And um, and then this presented itself. And I was also familiar with Dino's reputation in the community at the Center for Living Arts, where he has this wonderful program for youth. Um, and he's been doing it for a very long time. I knew that he worked with the junior level um, uh, MTI properties uh, for for production. And I knew that he had a lot of experience working with the right age group. And um, and I knew he had a certain rhythm to his performances and his rehearsals um, that fit in with the way that the Penguin Project was developed by Dr. Morgan. So I went um, went to Dino and, and Tina and asked them if they'd be interested in working with me in this. And they did. And, and boy, they you know, it's a partnership made in heaven as far as I'm concerned. Um, Dino and Tina do all the heavy lifting with the <laughs> artistic um, uh, development of the production, the rehearsals. Um, and then they move from rehearsals at the Center for Living Arts into the performance space at the Brunner Theater Center. And at that point then, um, we we handle the technical requirements, the costumes, set, lighting, that kind of thing. So the Augustana students, while they're not performing in it, they're helping with – the set, the lighting, right. all and the support. Costume construction, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Dino, uh, the Center for Living Arts is located at 2008 4th Avenue in mm-hmm. Rock Island, so it's next to the Rock Island Public Library. Yep. How did you get this business started? Uh, I discovered that uh, I really loved working with uh, people who had never done theater before. I used to uh, be director of performing arts at Mary Crest International University before they closed down. And I was brought in not to uh, develop a major. Uh, that's where I graduated from. Uh, but uh, after I graduated, the the program ceased. They stopped the performing arts program. And the president of the university at the time uh, asked me to come in and, and revive the program in more of a uh, activity base format. And so I came in there with a, a bunch of people who who had never done theater before in their lives, and they had interest in it. And I said, well, let's do a show. And it was then that I, I really latched on to the idea that it's amazing watching people realize that they are artists, uh, no matter their skill level, that they can get into this uh, into this whole world and develop uh, uh, talents and skills that they didn't know that they had before. And that, that just really hit my heart big time. And so uh, Mary Crest closed in 2002, and the dream just kept percolating from there. And in 2006, my wife and I decided to uh, get a little storefront in downtown Rock Island and see if we could do theater for kids who had never done it before. And yeah, that's, that's how it perfect. started. So, and you do quite a few productions, about approximately 10 a year. 10 a year, yeah. And the Penguin Project is the really the only performance that you do off-site. The rest are at your facility. Yes, yes, that is correct. The National Penguin Project organization has several requirements for the replication site, and they were specifically put in place because of the needs of their young performers. So let's talk about those a little bit. You had to modify the number of your rehearsals and the duration of the rehearsals as well. Yeah, the uh, 
the time span that uh, the attention span the, that an artist has uh, can be can be limited. So you're not going to uh, rehearse five days a week, four hours a day, or do something like the summer stock theaters do, working you know ten, twelve hour days for two weeks. You have to uh, rehearse it in a uh, an hour hour and a half type of format, but only a couple of times a week. Mm-hmm. So that it's a very different uh, world. I really love this. Tell us what happens at the conclusion of every rehearsal and performance. It's the best part. It's the best <laughs> part. Uh, whether we have a, a, a productive rehearsal or not, uh, we all uh, go to places for the song Don't Stop Believin' by Journey. And uh, except it's the uh, acapella version that uh, the show Glee made famous. <laughs> and uh, the very first meeting that we have, uh, the students go up and learn the choreography to it. My wife, Tina, teaches the choreography. And so all of the students, their mentors, the artists, they get down on the stage and we play the song every single night. Don't every stop believing. It's beautiful, That's and great. It's, it makes you cry every time you watch it. And it also is uh, performed at the end of every single performance uh, throughout the United States at every Penguin Project. So if someone from here would go to uh, Maryland to watch a Penguin Project performance, uh, they would be invited down at the end to come on stage with the performers. It's, uh, it's like national penguin speak. <laughs> it's the language we all speak. Yeah, I love that term, penguin yeah. speak. You have a number of artists who, because of their developmental um, disability, can't read, yet you still are able to include them as an integral part of the cast. Yeah, we we basically reading is is uh, you don't have to be able to read to to do this. You don't have to. People learn so much orally, you know, by hearing things. That's how kids learn songs mm-hmm. on the radio. You just you just hear it enough and you know it. And that's how so we learn our la- that's how we learn language. Exactly. So reading, schmeeting, we don't need that. <laughs> um, it's nice when we have it, but the uh, the mentors uh, will help their artists out, and a lot of times the the mentor is required to know their artist's lines, their dance moves, everything, their staging. And uh, we have, as you can see in performances, a lot of times the artist, uh, those with special needs, will say their lines very uh, metered, in a metered way. And that's because the mentor is behind them whispering line by line. Uh Uh-huh. Just helping them and being their support. Yeah. Even more dramatically, um, with your current production, you've cast a narrator who is unable to speak, yet that person is still included. Absolutely, because he can still communicate. He communicates beautifully with his face, and uh, he also has a little program on his iPad. I thought it was some special device, and I said, no, what is that device called that you use to – he puts all of his lines into this little tablet, and, uh, and he can push a button. And his lines will come out as the narrator in this cute little narrator voice that he's created. I said, <laughs> so "What all, is?" It's all electronic. Yeah, and so we'll mic we mic that up, and that's how he's heard throughout the show. So he can still tell the story just through his own his own way of doing yeah, it. That's perfect. 
you had said um, that your one goal is to create an environment where nobody is shunned. And I think that's that's really lovely. In addition, you've also displayed art projects in the lobby of the Bruner Theater that were created by youth involved with our local hand-in-hand nonprofit organization. That's right. Yeah, we we um, at the Bruner Theater Center, we've gotten in the habit of um, using our gallery lobby uh, as a display space for local artists. So whenever we do a production, we try to find a local artist that we can display their work. And in this case, it it seemed like a perfect fit with Hand in Hand Mm -hmm. because they offer programs in art instruction. And so they've, over the years, generated a lot of artwork uh, created by people, young people with special needs. And so we're showcasing that work in our lobby gallery as well. Yeah, that's that's just perfect. It really rounds it all out. Mm -hmm. It makes it even more complete. the mentors, I, I just love the idea of that. What, um, so they help if an artist can't remember their lines on stage, they're there to assist them. Um, that must be a rather common occurrence, I would think. You know, it, it, surprisingly, uh, it, it's common, but it's it's not it's less common than I thought it would be. I, I really thought that the mentors it would be more of a a line by line and a give and take, half the mentor, half the artist. But it, when it comes out in performance. It's the artist that has it. Yeah. The mentors are basically there for support. Yeah. It is. It's a. There's a wide range uh, in terms of how much support they need. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of, by the time you get to the end of the rehearsal process, in some productions, you have some artists with disabilities who don't even want their peer mentor to be that close. They want to. They want to test their own wings, as it were. Yeah, that's yeah. Great. yeah. We we call them flying solo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Flying solo. I imagine as directors that there there are just so many moving parts to this, and there's so many so many details. What would you say your largest challenge is when when doing this? And this is the second year, I should say again that you've done this. Last year you did Annie. I, I think the uh, yeah, sometimes people ask about the challenge of working with uh, kids with special needs, and there hasn't been any major challenge that is that has even blipped our radar. I, I think the biggest challenge just comes into uh, the amount of students that we have this year. Last year, we had a total number of artists and mentors together of 34, and this year at 72, plus a few extra mentors that count as swing mentors. So that's so, incredible. So over, yeah. over, you know, it's really doubled, yeah. more than doubled. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is just your second year. So there's just, there's such a need for this in our community. Uh, the Penguin Project was a recipient in 2017 of a of the National Arts and Humanities Youth Program Award, which is awarded through a partnership between the National Endowment for the Arts and other arts and humanities organizations. Yeah, well-deserved recognition. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Best of luck to both of you with your production of Beauty and the Beast Jr. this coming weekend, Friday, March 2nd, and Saturday, March 3rd at 7.30 p.m., and also on Sunday, March 4th at 1.30 p.m., at the Bruner Theater on the Augustana College campus. Tickets can be purchased at the theater's box office, but I would highly recommend purchasing them online ahead of time as performances are selling out. And we're sold out this past weekend. So Dino Hayes from the Center for Living Arts in Rock Island and Jeff Cousins from Augustana College, thank you for all that you do for our community and uh, your work to make this a more inspiring place to live. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, Thanks so much much for coming. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK.